A reading from Genesis, the first chapter. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and it was so. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seeds in it. And it was so, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be signs and for seasons, and for days and for years, and let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind, and it was so. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. The image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh. Here ends the reading. Doesn't the Bible start out in such a cool, beautiful, poetic way? I, uh, I don't know how you feel about science and faith, evolution, creation, but if we can just entertain the possibility that we have this God who's creative and he made this, and since you're here for chapel, I'm going to assume that we're probably safe to do that. But you have here in Genesis 1, God creating, God bringing into being that which didn't previously exist. And so you have God creating something, getting some dirt under the divine fingernails, as my seminary professor Terry Fretheim liked to say, and then to use human characteristics of God, God would step back and look at this thing that was created and say, ooh, it's good, and then get to creating some other stuff and then say, oh, it's good. So you have the earth and the sky and the sea and all creatures and living things, and then he gets really good stuff, you and me. He creates man and woman, and all of creation looks back and not only says it's good, but what? It's very good. And it is good. But oftentimes, life throws things at us that block our view of seeing the goodness, and we see other things. And so to get some reminders occasionally of the goodness, I think, is, is good. It's, it's helpful. And so that's what I want to do uh, this morning. Most of said, my name's Andy. I'm from Luther Seminary in a part of the country that's much colder than this. So shame on you for complaining if you think it's cold right now. 
my plane was delayed yesterday because they had to de-ice the plane for an hour and a half because of how cold and snowy it was back in Minneapolis. So the high is four on Saturday in, in Minnesota. Um, so this is, it's weird to see Christmas tree lots when it's this nice out, but I, I could get used to it, I think. Um, but here we are uh, at CLU. It's great to be here. Thanks for, to Scott and Melissa and Rabbi. It's great to meet you. And um, it's always a great community to be in, even just for a few days. Uh, I get to travel. Uh, I work at Luther Seminary, and I do admissions work, and I've been doing that for five years, and I get out to a lot of the Lutheran colleges in the country, especially those with vibrant ministries. And I, I can honestly say, and I don't just say this everywhere, uh, you guys are, are a few of the best campus pastors that I have ever seen. Uh, and for the rest of you to be just blessed by that, students especially, but all of you to have uh, such great pastors, uh, it it's truly is a blessing, and, and it's noticed in other parts of the world as well. People know of you guys and the great work that you're doing, and it gives CLU a very good name in the church. So thank you for... They're even letting me stay at their home, so hospitality to the, to the, to the umpteenth degree. Um, okay, so I went to seminary, but I'm not a pastor. So just to put that out. So for all the, the chapels, for you not to have a pulpit, this is a very appropriate one, because for me to stand in a pulpit is an uncomfortable thing for me. Um, I'm wearing a tie and not a collar, um, and I even have the top button undone because I think the collar would feel a little strangling for me personally. Um, it wasn't an accident that I went to seminary and graduated and didn't become a pastor. A lot of people in my family think I messed up or something like that. Like they didn't, I didn't quite get the whole degree and they didn't let me do what I intended to do. That was, a, that was the part of the plan is I felt like I was called to do pastoral things that didn't involve being an actual pastor. And so for any of you who are thinking about seminary, potentially maybe you didn't know that you could go to seminary and not be a pastor. Maybe you know people who have tons of gifts for ministry and they want to be involved in the church and serving God in the world. Um, I'd love to talk to them, whether it's now or you can uh, pass along their name to Scott and Melissa and they can put them in touch with me. I'd love to help support them along the way. Um, I'm more of a storyteller than a preacher. And so that's what I want to do here today. My hope is that the time that we have together this morning is a time to open up our imaginations of what God is up to in the world. Because when that happens, when we open up the possibility that God is active in the world all around us and especially in our individual lives, when we entertain the possibility that God's doing more than we ever imagined, really cool things can happen. And it's a great reminder that God is active in our lives, in our roommates' lives, even in the lives of our professors who think we're supposed to do homework all weekend long. God's active in all of that, and it is good. And I love your theme for this year, on purpose, for purpose. I don't know if I'm the 10th person who's, who's addressed this when they come up and speak, but for those of you who have been just kind of part of it in some way or another, I, I found the description to be incredibly helpful, just part of it. Maybe it has been read up here before, but I don't think it's a bad thing to read it again. And if you guys wrote it, I'm sure you don't mind hearing it read aloud. Um, so let me, because I think it's really poignant for today. Uh, the whole of Scripture is a catalog of God calling creation into purposeful and meaningful work. From the earliest text through the New Testament, it is God who calls forth good gifts for the support of all living things. We, all of us, individually and collectively as a community, are called, asked, invited, encouraged, and even summoned to use our gifts and talents in service to one another. God has chosen us for a purpose, on purpose. Now, I'm especially directing this to you all students. You feel that, right? But there's a pressure on that. Like, gosh, God created me on purpose for a purpose. What is it? I got to figure it out. And you think that like these years of college are the only chance you get to figure it out. Trust me, you got the rest of your lives to wrestle, wrestle with that one. But for each of us, we know that we were created on purpose for a purpose. 
Uh, there's this group of people out in New York City called Improv Everywhere. Maybe you've heard of them. They're living this out in a very unique way. Um, they do public improv stunts. So you guys all know about flash mobs. They were doing flash mobs before flash mobbing was a thing. And yes, I realize flash mobbing isn't really even a thing anymore. It's a bit kind of yesterday. Um, but they were doing this back in the day. And uh, they've done this creative work, and then they put it online for those that weren't there to experience it to see. They call these stunts missions. Uh, and some of their most famous ones, Frozen Grand Central, when in Grand Central Terminal, they had a bunch of people synchronize their watches, and the exact same time they were walking through, they just stopped, I think five, maybe ten minutes, and everybody around them had no idea what was going on. And then at the exact same moment, they just went about their business and didn't stay around and say, what you guys just experienced was this. They didn't explain it at all. It was just left to the imagination of what people experienced. Um, they did a surprise wedding reception where there was a couple coming out of a... Uh, out of a uh, uh, I guess it was, they were married in front of the Justice of the Peace in a courtroom somewhere in New York, and they had a tent set up, and they had people dressed up, and a photographer, and a cake, and a DJ, and for whatever reason, these, this couple decided not to get married in a church with their family present, and so they said, hey, would you like a wedding reception? And they said, well, yeah, we would like one, but we decided not to. Oh, no, come here. We already have it ready to go. And so they took pictures with random strangers who were supposed to look like their wedding party, and they ate cake, and they had, a, they had toasts, I think, from people that didn't know them. <laughs> And they had this great experience. And there's all these other people that got to join in on that. Uh, they've had bathroom attendants at McDonald's. You can imagine the uh, reaction. Uh, the No Pants Subway Ride, um, which is an annual event now. And just so you know, they wear something, but just not actual long pants. Uh, and then, I don't know if this was last year or the year before, uh, but on Black Friday, they had a group of people camp out outside of a 99-cent store. <laughs> and then go inside so excited about the great deals. <laughs> And that one's worth checking out just for, the, for seeing the owner of the shop and his reaction when he saw tents and people lined up for the opening of his store on that day. He thought they were lined up for a different store down the street. Um, they actually have some method to the madness of what they do. Their philosophy for these missions is twofold. The first part is that they want to cause a scene of surprising joy. And the second is that they want to offer those who observe a good story to tell. So rather than just tell you a few of those things, here's a really quick one that they did recently. If you're going to be texting and walking, I'm a seeing eye person. I can help you walk and text. Excuse me, I see you're texting. I can clear a path for you. If you'd like to walk and text, we're here for you. Excuse me, sir. If you're going to be texting and walking, you grab both? Good. So you're barely paying attention. Excuse me, pardon me, Texter walking. Texter coming through, eyes up. What's your name? Uh, I'm getting too personal. You know how to text? No problem, I understand. Be safe. So you can look down, you don't need to look at the road. You won't trip over a homeless guy or a trash fire. All right. your phone, uh -huh. you grab one of these and we'll help you out. Uh, so you can text and not trip oh, on the grate, you know, you know what I mean? Walk into that red pole there. Here, just uh, come where you're going, grab on a leash and you can text safely. Where are you headed? Watch out, we got a texter here. Put your head down and start texting and grab onto one of us. We will keep you safe, you can trust us. You're gonna wait for a walk, other people are jaywalking, no reason to. All right, here we go, grab on. All right, grab hold of the leash. 
All right, thank you. All right, Dexters. Everyone across the stream, excuse me, yellow taxi, take it please. Take it easy, thank you. Guys, get him jacket, brothers. Watch out, she's texting and walking, she can't see you. Officer, how are you? Excuse me, she's texting running, watch out for your daughter. Beautiful, beautiful daughter. This woman is texting and running. Three foot radius, please. She's texting and running. Watch out, everyone. You're off the hook, yeah, that's fine. Thank you. If you think about it, now, maybe not that one specifically, but when you hear about the kinds of stuff that this group does, and I, there's no religious affiliation to this group. Some of them may be people of faith. We're not sure. Um, what they're doing is kind of giving people a glimpse of the kingdom of God. I mean, you watch that and you start laughing. You were not worried about the stress of class or work or anything during those two minutes of that video. It just kind of gave you a break from all the, the, the serious, difficult stuff in life, and you just kind of enjoy. So imagine if you actually were in New York and you saw that happening or something like that, and it just brings a smile to your face, and you have a story to tell other people. Isn't that what the gospel is? It's this surprising thing. It's grace. It's love. It's joy. And we're surprised by it because we haven't come to expect that in everything in life. And when you experience it, it's like seeing a good movie or reading a good book. You want to tell people about it because you want them to experience that same thing. And this is what they're doing in a very unique way. Because I know that life can be hard and that the world is obviously not a perfect place. So when given the opportunity to speak in places like this, I always want to choose to tell stories that remind me of the good that's around us. And they say that any good preacher or person who does sermon-like things is preaching to themselves as much or more than preaching to others. And so I choose to do that not because I think you all who I hardly know or don't know at all need to hear this. I need to hear it too, that it is good. This moment right now is a time, it's an opportunity for us to breathe in the peace that passes understanding. I was at a wedding last year and not long after the dinner, when they start moving the tables out of the way and they create some space for the dance to get started, so the DJ's setting up and he's doing his thing, and it's the first couple dances, which are multi-generational, as you know, um, and they're all dancing to one of these classic songs, you know, something by LMFAO, not the wiggle, wiggle, wiggle one, but the one about shuffling. Um, and they're doing that, and kind of all age. And then a little bit later, you know how the routine goes at weddings. Some of the older folks are off sitting at tables watching and talking, and the, the youngsters have reclaimed the dance floor for quite a while. And the, the music kind of goes throughout that. So you go from, you know, the 60s, 70s, 80s, and eventually you're into the modern music. And uh, they all of a sudden throw this slow song in there. And it's a specific song that I've seen at weddings and other things. Always brings people together. Now, I put up this picture, and some of you already know what song it's going to be. Louis Armstrong, um, who's been... He passed away over 40 years ago, the great jazz musician. Now, I'm going to play a little bit of it. You can sing along if you want, and I know you want to. I think I'm going to play it. I see skies of blue. So you picture everybody coming onto the dance floor. And clouds of white. Couples who never even hold hands are dancing. And they're smiling at each other. And kids are dancing to this song that came out way before they were alive. And you get to the chorus and everybody's singing. But they're also reminded that this old guy with the raspy voice, he's right. 
it is a wonderful world. You know, you hear that song and you can't, you can't deny it, that it is a wonderful world. Um, well, Louis' voice is still alive to remind us of that, and we need other reminders, and I think one of the best reminders that we have of people who are full of wonder, because if it's a wonderful world, that means it's full of wonder, is children. You know, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And I think we need these kids in our lives to remind us. I have a niece named Claire who's almost five. And anytime I'm around her, her whimsical spirit reminds me of this. Even just for 30 minutes when I'm with Claire, I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about relationships and stress or anything else. I'm thinking about pushing her on a swing and seeing how high she can get and how loud I can get her to laugh and scream when she has fun doing that. She reminds me that it is good. There's this one day, that's my apartment building. That door right behind her is the building that I live in, in St. Paul. And there was this day where our little community has a festival in the neighborhood. And uh, I, got, I had just moved in, and I put, they put a sign on my door. That's my parking lot, right where those horses are. And it said, move your cars on by, before Saturday morning. There's going to be pony rides. And I had never been to this festival before, and I had no idea. I mean, I know what a pony ride is, but I was very confused what that meant. I'm supposed to move my car out of my parking lot for pony rides. And my, my sister's family came over, including Claire and her little sister, and we were standing at that white door that you see behind there, and just above where the tent is is a window, but Claire's not tall enough to see out that window. So we're standing at that door, and she, she, I told her there's going to be ponies outside this door, and she didn't believe me. And all of a sudden, we open the door, and she looks out, and there's these horses walking in circles, and she's never been on a horse before. And I told her, you get to ride one of those, and you should have seen the look on her face. But, you know, something as simple as a pony ride for a kid reminds you that it's good. It's a beautiful experience. One last little story. I uh, was driving to work not too long ago, and I parked next to this car with that bumper sticker. And I think it's a seminary student because I saw it some other times as well. Remember who you wanted to be. And I'm going in to work at my adult job, and all of a sudden I'm thinking back to who I wanted to be. And for me, that was an NBA basketball player. And as you can see, I'm not, I don't fit that description very well, um, which is why I don't do that. Um, but all of a sudden I started thinking about who I wanted to be and what part of me is still that little guy who dreamed really big. Now, it's been pointed out to me by some people that perhaps this expression, this way of seeing who we've become and maybe our failures, indicates that we screwed up somewhere along the way, that we are not who we wanted to be, and that means that we screwed up. And I don't quite agree with that. But perhaps a better way to say it would be don't forget who you are. Don't get lost in all the mix of everything else and forget who you are. And in case any of you forget, you're a child of God. That's who you are. You're worthy to be loved. You have gifts and talents and passions that the world is just waiting for you to share. And it is very good. Live on purpose for purpose. Amen.